Welcome back to another Fact Podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And today we're going to do part two of our podcast series on how to fix the healthcare system in the United States. What is the problem with the healthcare system in the United States? Well, in the first podcast to review, we found out that according to the World Health Organization's most recent studies, places America, a highly wealthy, wealthiest nation in the world, industrialized country, the leader of all countries in the world, places their healthcare system, the World Health Organization, places our healthcare system as 37th. Not even the top 10, not the top 20, not even the top 30. You couldn't even get an invitation to the WPO, World Powerlifting Organization's Championship, if you're not the top 30. We don't even make the top 30. And I, I know I play light with this, but it's not. There's millions of lives of people dying from side effects or lack of care or poor care or efficiency. And there's plenty of studies to go through that, which we'll probably do on a later one. But I just want to cover a few things here today to start getting your head wrapped around this. In the first podcast, we covered how the administrative costs in the United States system is over $800 per human. And the next big spender, France, is like 250 The top winners, like UK and Japan, they have the best healthcare systems, according to the World Health Organization. They spend only $70 administrative per patient, per human. What does that mean? That a lot of our health care is lost in the paperwork, both at the clinic and hospitals, and mostly at the administration level through insurance companies trying to get things paid and jumping through all the hoops, trying having doctors fill out three sets of paperwork, um, make things clearer, um, not trusting the doctors that, okay, your diagnosis is XYZ and this is the medication or surgery I need. Well, fill out this form so we really know that's really what it is. Why would someone who went to college for 12 to 16 years after high school decide that, you know, this is not, and 10, 20, 30 years of experience dealing with 20, 30, 40 patients a day, where would they, you know, come off and say, okay, I'm, I'm wrong here. Usually, as a doctor, when I have a complicated case, I get on the phone. I reach out to my colleagues. I talk to my colleagues in the office hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Medical doctors do the same thing. Chiropractors, osteopaths, nurse practitioners, midwives, they're at, you know, your, all your physician assistants, your acupuncturists. When there's a complicated condition, we are always doing what's best for the patient. We all got into healthcare because we wanted to help people. And if we can't figure it out, We usually reach out, we crack a textbook, and nowadays you flip open your laptop or grab your tablet and you do a little five, ten minutes of research just to validate. Oh, do I want to run this blood test? Do I want to blood? Yep, I do, and I want to run two more. And they go back into the room and order it. So understanding that the doctors are constantly working on getting their diagnosis right and then pulling them away from the research of doing the uh, getting the diagnosis right, is filling out paperwork that may already be in their folders, may already be in their charts, 
their medical chart and having to redo it. Now, a lot of chiropractors, a lot of medical doctors, a lot of providers out there, uh, they, they don't fill it out. Their front desk does. So there's a place for errors there because they didn't see the patient and they transcribe it. There is no computer system that will work for XYZ insurance company and allow your, say, your electronic medical records to populate or load one of their forms correctly. And it still has to be reviewed. So there's no, there's no continuity of paperwork or electronic care. Let's talk about that continuity because that's one of the problems of our health care. That's why we're 37th. We spend $3.5 trillion a year on it and all these administrative costs. Let's just talk about the administrative costs just a little bit more. I had a patient come in who had a heart condition and they were going to a specialist. They carried in hand the CT scan, the, the x-ray of their heart. They carried the echocardiogram, some of their records on a CD into the new practitioner across town who was affiliated with another hospital, another medical care system. Well, the poor doctor couldn't pull it up on his laptop, his desktop, his tablet, because they couldn't read it. I have that problem every week, every week. I've been practicing since 1992, 28 years. I have this problem every week where someone will come in with a CD, a disc, of their MRI, of their neck, their back, their shoulder, and it's from, let's say, XYZ uh, uh, diagnostic company or hospital. I'll throw it in my laptop, and this laptop won't read it. I'll put it in another one. I'll put it in a Mac. It, it has trouble reading it because the platform for it is pretty specialized to that hospital. Now, yes, I can go to the hospital website, download their reader. Now, you're talking, you know, in between patients, this patient's waiting. I'm trying to do this, okay? So a lot of times I take it and I do it you know, on the back end of lunch or at the end of the day and then call the patient back if we get stuck trying to do it. Or if it's very important, I have to play around and do it. On this laptop, I have two or three different reading programs that I've downloaded over time. It's amazing that hospital in two hospitals in St. Paul use two different types of um, systems to read their MRIs when you throw the, the disc in. It's a completely different program, computer program. What's that mean? There's no continuity of care. There's no continuity of care. I know that one of the biggest, uh, you know, hospitals and regions in this area, I mean, I've tried three different ways to Sunday to get it read. I know Dr. Tom here in the office has actually called um, one of them, and he's got a, the fanciest, most modern laptop and trying to get it to read. And we all, oh, you can go online and do it. You just need this password and become one of our providers. And I don't want to become a provider. Well, then you need permission. I mean, you talk about, I want to look at the x-ray. The old days where, you know, what I call it, the patients carried in their x-rays or films. I like the hard films. I put them up to a view box. It's a bright light. And I would read them. Why? Because trying to, fi trying to wait for the other hospital, the other clinic, the other diagnostic center to send me something that I could actually utilize, slow down care for the patient. Now, luckily, the things I deal with are not life and death. But can you imagine if it's life and death? And so guess what happens? You go into ER, you go into the hospital, like, you know, we can't read the films. I can't trust it. They reshoot the films. They redo the MRI. They redo the blood work over and over again. So you have redundancy because we don't have continuity of care in this country.
one hospital is not talking to the other hospital is not talking to the other hospital because it's competitive. That's like Burger King talking to McDonald's. Oh, I don't want to give you my trade secrets. You may get more patients and more money than me. So in other countries that don't have that high administrative cost, guess what? They, you know, they have an easier system of getting the records and finding out what's going on. And there's, there's a, a little more flow of care. Um, Love HIPAA. That's the Health Information uh, Privacy and Portability Act that protects, you know, your information to getting out on the Internet. And the doctors have to make sure they, they don't, uh, you know, put out any of their information. Well, we've always had that type of patient privacy. We don't talk about those things if you're a doctor. But in the old days, if I needed an MRI or needed a scan, and we're talking maybe 20, 30 years ago, even when I worked in physical therapy in the 80s, we'd call up the doctor and say, hey, can you send me the report of that MRI? Oh, yeah, we got it. We'll send it over in five minutes. They would fax it over and read it. The patient was there waiting for it. The patient didn't have to get on the phone. We didn't have to fill out forms. We didn't have to go to an information company. The front desk could just do it. So there was ease of flow of information. I'm not saying whether that was good or bad. I'm just saying... It made for better continuity care, which made for better efficiency, which made for lower costs. And guess what? Better clinical outcomes if the doctor knows what the heck they're working with and doesn't have to repeat tests. Again, a lot of tests are repeated because the doctor can't get a handle on what's going on with the patient from all the tests that were taken four weeks before. So we have to redo it. So that would be a good place to start. The next thing is, you know, just looking at our culture. In this country, we do not use um, homeopaths, acupuncturists, chiropractors, osteopaths at the level, say alternative health, at the level of other countries. And the acceptance is a little different. Like, you know, let's look at midwives. That's a big one. Midwives were almost wiped out in the 19-teens, 1920s. It was a constructive effort by the medical community, the OBGYNs. They actually had some of the top OBGYNs, you know, teaching that, you know, midwifery was barbarism from medieval times. One of the great OBGYNs from 1915, who was a teacher, professor at a prestigious university, um, was teaching his uh, students. We know that's not true. If you go to other countries like the U.K., Half of the births are, are from midwives. Remember, the UK is in the top five for healthcare. Sweden, Norway, France, you know, you're talking 60, Denmark, Belgium, um, I said Great Britain, Germany, they all have midwifery rates at 60, 70, 80%. And their cesarean section rates are lower than America. And their infant mortality and mom mortality and childbirth is much lower than the United States. In the United States, we have about 30% C-section rates. That's pretty high. Now, of course, we're comparing apples to oranges. And OBGYN sees moderate to high-risk births. But they also see the low-risk births, too. So what the World Health Organization has done, they actually gave in about in 2000, 2001, gave the United States a recommendation. And they said that you have to come in compliance with your C-section rates. And that, you know, if you looked at midwives and you raised it to 75%, like all these other countries, that would be an $8.5 billion a year savings. Now, what does that all mean? 
it, it, it means maybe there's a different way of looking at things. We don't preach nutrition well here. I know in my high school, we had, you know, soda pop um, machines everywhere. Now, again, it, it was the 70s and 80s. Nobody was drinking water. Everybody was smoking. But, you know, there was no nutrition. I have gone to my kids' school. We have, you know, three in high school right now, one in middle school. And I've seen their food. I've seen their nutrition service. And I know they're doing in those type in public schools, they're doing the best they can. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, my goodness, there is a cheaper, healthier way to eat these foods. And there's just not enough protein in here. How do you build up an immune system? How do you build up health without protein? We need protein heavy meals, not carbohydrate heavy meals. It's better for the brain. It's better for health. But we're not doing that. So that's just looking at it. So, so midwifery, you know, why aren't we following the examples of other countries? I know when you're looking at business, when you're looking at life, when you're looking at, you know, let's just say, hey, I want to open a hot dog stand. Well, you find other people who have opened up hot dog stands who were successful and you just follow their model. Don't reinvent the wheel. Model their wheel. Copy their wheel. If you're opening up a mechanic shop, you find someone who's done it and you follow the example. A lot of franchises that open, franchise businesses, they already have a cookie cutter model for the business owner just to follow for success. Well, all we have to do is look at these other countries who have better healthcare statistics than us, who are not spending the money that we do, but get better results and find out what they do. Well, one of them, if we want to lower our C-section rates, it looks like you have to use midwives. Not even talked about. Have yet to see a midwife commercial. You know, I know my wife's in midwifery school, so I'm a little biased. But amazingly, you know, you can't find a midwifery school, at least one in every state. Wouldn't it be amazing if you just had one in every state and we could lower our C-section rates if the model holds true for all these other developed countries? Maybe it's the lifestyle in the European countries. Who knows? You know, but just understanding that we have to look, one, at continuity of care, the ability of the clinic, one clinic to talk to the other, get that system down well, make it easier for the doctors to do their job, not harder. Make it easier for the providers in the hospitals to do their job, not harder. Why would, and this blows my mind, why would, when, you're, when your child's trying to study for, let's say, a mathematics exam, your sixth grader, your fourth grader, your tenth grader, why would you blast Motorhead as loud as you can, make sure they didn't eat all day, and then bang a drum in the rooms they're trying to study, make things more difficult, and then ask them to clean the entire house and their room before they start studying, but you have to go to bed at 10. Now, people say, why would you put those weird obstacles in their way for academic success? Exactly. Common sense. Common sense says, why would you put obstacles in the way of physicians? Now, the problem is physicians are intellectuals. They've gone to school for a bazillion years, and they have egos. Some of them complain. Some of them organize and complain, but they don't complain long enough. Why? We're too busy taking care of patients. We're too busy taking care of patients. But there are those that are complaining. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm saying it just has to be fixed. It is a problem. Remove the obstacles. Make the doctor's job easier. 
you have to look at the system. The problem is the people making the rules at the legislature, at the boards, a lot of them aren't physicians or practicing physicians anymore. A lot of them and the ones who do get into government may not have been good practitioners. You know, it's a horrible thing to say because I am a teacher, but those who can't teach, well, that's about 80%, maybe 75% the true. The best doctors out there are taking on the most complicated cases, right? Well, their statistics, if you look at them, oh, we have to check their statistics, how well they're doing, their death rates or whatever. Well, the best doctors take on the most complicated statistics, and they're going to have skewed um, numbers. The, some of the doctors who know they can't handle a complicated, say, heart surgery, guess what? They take on the easy cases, and their numbers look great. Their success numbers, their performance, people who die after surgery. So you can't even use those statistics. I've seen those statistics in trying to find out the quality and the efficiency of different healthcare models. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop. You can't compare that because the, the best ones are taking on the hardest job. So number one, you just have to remo remove barriers to continuity of care so all doctors can talk to each other. Two, easy. Make the doctor's job easier. Three, let's start using midwives, acupuncture, chiropractic. In chiropractic, we've had so many studies the last three, four decades showing that in certain conditions, we are half. One uh, insurance company says it's two to one, which basically means that the dollars they get out. We, we are as effective as physical therapists, MDs, orthopedics for, say, simple neck, mid-back, low-back pain, joint pain, and we were half the price. But the amount of barriers thrown up to the patient and to the provider to get there, it's just too hard. So a lot of people just drop out of many of the systems or they just go, oh, it's easier for me just to go to my MD. Look at this. It's not an out-of-network practitioner. And, you know, I don't have to pay the extra copay. So I'm just going to go to this doctor, which is going to cost the system twice as much and me twice as much. But the ease of getting into that doctor was don't have to be pre-authorized. I can just, you know, go to my GP, then get a referral to PT and, you know, get 10 visits of physical therapy for my back where maybe a good yoga class, if you had a good chiropractor or a good, um, you know, musculoskeletal GP or an ortho would say, oh, you just need some stretching and a yoga class, you know, here are a hundred bucks to go to a yoga class. Use some of these alternatives. Now, again, people say, well, that would be too crazy. Yeah, you need a lifestyle change. Not, every, not everyone needs a bottle of pills, an injection. Not everybody needs, you know, a $1,500 MRI of their low back to find out they need a yoga class. You need, you need to get, go to the right practitioners and let them do their work. So what does this mean to you, the listener? Well, take a step back. If you can use a midwife, if you're thinking about expanding your family, have you talked to a midwife? Do you know anything about midwives? How often are you using preventative dentistry to protect your heart and your cardiovascular system? Because we know that, you know, gum disease is linked to heart disease. So make sure you're seeing your dentist yearly, twice a year even. I know they, they make recommendations, but it's worth it for the prevention. Are you getting preventative work? You know, blood work once a year. Do you see a GP for an annual phys physical once a year? Go see 
your GP, your DC, your DO, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant, whoever uses provider, get in there once a year just to get looked at. I know many people come into me once a year, once every six months for a tune-up with chiropractic adjustments, but I also recommend, hey, have, you know, let's get your blood pressure checked. Hey, it's a little high. When's the last time you had blood work? And I know a lot of my patients get sick of me saying it, but go get some blood work once a year. Where's your thyroid? Where's your liver? Where's your kidney? We want to look at that. We want to see how well everything's working. You know, check, if we check your blood sugar, we can, we can prevent diabetes if it's coming. Okay, so getting a handle on that preventive, that has to become some of our um, just normal culture. You have to change the culture a little bit. You know, the idea of just going to the doctor, getting blood work once a year, getting a physical, that has to be the normal. And the doctors, not shackled, not hamstrung to the administrative or whatever insurance company they're working for, because that's what they end up working for is insurance companies, not the patient, when you're filling out all this paperwork, and saying, you know what, I want to do this. It's been five years. I'm going to do a full panel of blood work. And though 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 bucks may not be covered, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it because it's healthier. Well, what if that blood work that is necessary, if the doctor deems it necessary, was covered? Right now, our costs are still going up, and they're trying to ration care. They're trying to prohibit recommendations. They're increasing administrative costs to try to keep down the clinical costs. That's not working. We've already proved that. What would work is going back to a model that the Europeans use. If you need this blood work, come in. Hey, see you in a year. See you in a year. Come back in. Oh, I got this and that. You know what? Here's a yoga class we have at the hospital. Go to the yoga. Well, you know, go see the chiropractor down, down the road for a couple adjustments. You know, that'll prevent the $2,000 injection. So looking at all this, you know, oh, we're thinking about having a baby. Have you thought about home birth? Have you thought about using midwives? Now, I know it's comparing apples to oranges, but in this country, midwife, midwives have a lower C-section. They have low risk. It's part of the statute, low-risk care. But those low-risk uh, moms still go to the OBGYN who take care of the moderate and high risk. What's that mean? Um, Belinda, is a mid my wife, is a midwife student. She went Her clinic that she was going to only has a 2% C-section rate. Now, of course, they're taking low risk. Wouldn't that be great that every OBGYN who assessed their patient as low risk would only have a 2% C-section rate for that group of patients they saw. I don't know if they have one that low, but I guarantee it's not. And most of the studies out there show, according to the World Health Organization, the world organization that looks at these things, has shown that countries that have a 10% or more C-section rate do not have a reduced risk or reduced statistics for newborn mortality or pregnant mom, laboring mom mortality. In other words, it doesn't improve the health care. It doesn't improve the outcomes, according to the World Health Organization, not Fred's opinion. So what do we do? Maybe we take a just step back and say, okay, can we utilize these other providers? Can we start taking it upon ourselves to go to a midwife, go to a chiropractor, go to an acupuncturist, you know, 
go to your doctor, your MD, your DO, your DC, your nurse practitioner once a year, do some maintenance and wellness work. Don't wait till you're really sick to go in. Try to take care of yourself at home and follow up so the doctors can prevent the very costly things out there beforehand. So in other words, we need more continuity of care, make the doctor's job easier, Don't and three, look at these other providers out there that may help us. And this has been another FACT podcast.